0: your people. We know that your will is for your people to turn away from the idols that have seized our hearts and so that we ask that you will set your people free from the idolatrous idea that success in this life is determined by our examination results. We pray for our children who are taking the PSLE O and A levels and their parents also. May all of us be girdled with truth that our lives will be secure and fulfilling because of the work that Jesus has done and not the network of friends we build in choice Schools. Your will is for us to experience relational peace and joy with you and with one another. And so we pray that you will remind us not only about the commandment of Jesus to love one another as you have loved us, but also to consider His righteous example for unless we put on Christ's righteousness manifested in his humility, patience, and gentleness in the way that he treats people, Satan will gleefully use our self righteousness, our assertions, to destroy our relationships with our spouses, our parents, our children, and our friends. And your will is also for your people not to be fearful or to be anxious about the outcome of things that we have no control over. And though the path you have ordained may find us at the bottom of a well, or the edge of an impassable sea, or even enduring great loss and exile, you are Emmanuel, the God who dwells among us, the God who is at hand. Specifically, we pray that Pastor Jason, Grace, Joey, and Jacob will take heart, that they will fix their eyes upon Jesus and hear his command concerning the storms that are gathering in our hearts. Peace, be still. Cause our faith to be raised up as a shield and bulwark against Satan's effort to sow doubt and despair. And we pray earnestly that it is your will to restore Jacob to good health. Lord, we acknowledge that we lack any merit in our requests, but you only have to say the word, and our son, our brother, our friend will be healed. We ask all of this humbly in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Please be seated. We now go to scripture reading taken from Ephesians chapter 1. that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. And we will now invite Pastor Daniel to preach the gospel fearlessly, though not in chains.
1: Amen. Hi everyone. Uh, this is my first sermon here in Bishan. Um, I'm Pastor Daniel, and uh, I'm also the chaplain of the Boys and Girls Brigade uh, ministry in ARPC. For those who are keen to slow down aging, you know, and uh, to be in tune with the latest trends, you know, the best way is to join a youth ministry. Am I right, Pastor Roger? Pastor Jason? <laughs> the best way to follow today's sermon is to open your Bibles. To Ephesians 6, as we have already read the passage, I'll be referring to the verses directly on the screens and highlighting key words. Allow me to pray as I begin. Father, allow your Spirit of Truth to reveal what you want us to know and to guide us to receive it with an open mind and open heart ready to be corrected and assured by your word. Will you make known the mystery of the gospel through your servant and allow me to declare your truths fearlessly? In Jesus' name, Amen. So I was an army regular for about five years of my life and uh, I represented the logistic formation in a competitive tug of war as you can see in the picture. As a logistician, we are known for our yummy fried chicken wing in our canteen more than anything else. Um, And how are we going to face the elites like the commandos, the naval diving units, and, and the guards? Especially a competition like this that actually tests every aspect of fitness from endurance to strength. This is, this is why we came out with a tactic. As you can see in the picture, we had to actually stand still, get a firm footing, and then just lean backwards and wait for three minutes. Ah, oh, that three minutes is like three hours. So the devil is an opponent that we can never defeat with our own strength or resources. Just like my elite, opponents, in the game of tug of war, we need more than just brute strength. We need a good tactic to win. That is why in verse 12, the passage states that this battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm which we can summarise as the devil's schemes. So how to fight against the devil and his schemes? We need to know, to first know, the devil's schemes. First, the devil is the accuser. In Job 1 verse 8 to 11, when God said, No one on earth is like him. He is blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. The devil comes in and accuses Job. It is because God blessed him with plenty, and that's why Job is righteous and faithful. Now, if God takes away everything that Job has, Job will surely curse God to his face. First, the devil is accusing God of not knowing Job well. Then, he accused Job of his righteousness because of his bountiful blessings from God. At this point, there is a clash of opinions between God and the devil. Following that, Job experienced the full extent of the devil's schemes, he was accused, tempted and destroyed his children and property. The devil will not cease to accuse us, especially when the devil has a foothold on our habits and the desires of our heart. He will expose our sins, trap us with his accusations and he will and his objective is to discredit us to serve in Christian ministries and in communities. The devil may even accuse us with lies that God's grace is not enough. Stop trying so hard. We are not good enough for God. And will God forgive that kind of sin? Nah. The devil is doing his very best to discourage us from being faithful to God, hoping that we will curse God in His face. So how does the devil work? Secondly, the devil is the tempter. We learn in Matthew 4, verses 1 to 4, that Jesus is led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In this encounter, the devil came to Jesus and the devil unleashed his first weapon, and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The devil tried to tempt Jesus to do wrong, knowing that his hunger experience was designed by God to teach Jesus the lesson that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. Found in Deuteronomy 8.3, The devil's prompting makes you think that there is a better outcome, being able to enjoy hot bread and ease your hunger when you do not listen to God. The devil preys on our greed and our discontentment. Like in the statistics from the Singapore Police Force in 2021, which revealed that there is a 16% increase in scams Just in Singapore, you know, amounting to 168 million losses in the first half of 2021. The unceasing pursuit for something better and losing that sense of thankfulness for what we already have. We are tempted to take shortcuts to avoid putting in that hard work to do things right. We are also tempted to click on that link and look at websites that may cause us, that will cause us to stumble. The tempter knows God's truth and he knows your desires very well. He then suggests an alternative to test your response to God. We will all be tempted in various ways, my friends. So be very careful as a tempter, knows the outcome very well. James 1 verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when he's lured, and enticed by his own desire. So in fishing terms, these lures are designed to look exactly like the real bait. The fish only sees the bait, and uh, not only, but not all those little hooks that is embedded inside. It is meant to deceive the fish when you throw it out into the water and then you reel it back slowly as though as the fish, the bait is actually moving on the water. The movement itself catches the fish attention. And the fish pursues it, bites it, is trapped. We are like fish, my friend. The devil is fishing. Trap you and expose what you have done. Third, the devil is the destroyer. In 1 Peter 5, 8-9, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Apostle Paul has warned us about the attack of the devil who seeks to destroy the victim, not just physically, mentally, but also emotionally. The roar of the lion instills paralyzing fear, hatred, depression, anxiety, violence, addiction and anger that prevents us from seeing things from God's perspective. The devil is then described as a lion who then moves in to devour the prey. So a couple of, a couple of years back, I organised this uh, paintball activity with my boys' brigade officers and youth. And uh, during the safety briefing, the marshal came up to us and he, uh, he dared the participants to wear only T-shirt and shorts. You know, as you can see, who are the ones who took up the challenge? They even made wearing the breastplate protection optional. So on the other hand, I knew exactly how painful it was to be hit by a paintball. Sometimes I think it feels like being caned by my father. So I wrapped myself, as you can see from the picture, I'm somewhere at the back. You know, I wrapped myself from head to toe. And uh, at the end of five rounds of paintball, my youth literally had skin that looked like a cheetah. He had blue blacks all over. So when the devil wants to destroy us, it might even come in the form of praise. This is what I heard say, hey, Daniel, you look very strong and fit, right? All this happens in my mind. You you say, why don't you even need any protection gear? Come on, you can do better than that. Don't you come from the army shooting contingent? Who can hit you, frankly speaking? So all these words were inside my mind when I heard the challenge by the marshal. And I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to join the T-shirt and shorts gang. Suddenly, I recall the pain. And then, my, I recall my foolish past. I remember the dangers that my pride has led me into. Our approach towards the devil's schemes has to be cautious, never overestimating our capabilities, and never underestimating the powers of the evil one. Because relying on our own strength and resources is never enough. So we have been introduced to the devil's tactics here. The devil is the accuser, the tempter and the destroyer. So when we are trapped by the devil, Paul tells us that there is still a way out of it. How do we fight the devil? We rely on the armour of God in verse 10 to 17. We rely on God's might through prayer in verse 18 to 20. God has provided us with the means to fight the devil. So in today's sermon, first, we'll be looking at the context of Ephesians before unpacking how to fight the devil with the armour of God and finally, how we can fight the devil through prayer. In the closing chapter of Ephesians, a letter was written in 60 AD by Apostle Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome. He wrote to the Church of Ephesus, which is current-day, modern Turkey. It was a leading city at that time, a strategic location known for his commerce, arts, sciences. In the early days, Paul visited Ephesus and he rebuilt the cults of Artemis. Artemis is this Greek goddess worshipped during that time. This actually, he win many Christian converts. And he now writes to them as he was concerned about these young Christian converts. We learn from Ephesians 2 as well, verse 11 to 22, that there is this unity that is going on there, this unity that's going on there. Among the Jew, Jewish and Gentile Christians, the purpose of Jesus' work for, for human salvation is not limited to the giving of a new life to believers, but also. For the unity of people from different races and backgrounds. For the blood of Christ being that brings peace, who has made the two groups of people as one. Christ has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. Paul came to preach a gospel of peace to the believers, calling them to remember the unity they can enjoy in Christ, and to be stirred to love and gratitude. So let me test the Bishan congregation. You tell me who said this. All right, This is a statement. Says, if you, who are growing up, do not understand that you have to defend this, and in the end, we will lose. Other people will come, smack you down, and take over. Who said this? Nobody? Any guess? Uh, Me? Hey, I didn't say this man. This is said by a great man. (laughs) It is our nation's founding father, the late Mr Lee Kuan Yew, speaking in 1967 on the importance of national service. Just like the urgency of setting up national service during the early days, the urgency for us to learn to build up and defend ourselves before the enemy comes. We ought to heed that urgent call to take the threat seriously and learn how to protect ourselves. Finally, sorry, I'm reading the passage. (laughs) Not so happy, you know, finally means haven't end yet. We're only at verse 10. So in verse 10 of the concluding chapter of Ephesians, Paul reminds his readers that the Christian life cannot be lived without a spiritual battle. That's what Mona prayed and said this now. Paul's, Paul encouraged the believers with the term, Be strong, which means being constantly strengthened by the triumphant power of Christ. We cannot strengthen ourselves for this spiritual battle, but we must be empowered by God. Apart from God, we are kind of helpless, just like a little lamb. We are helpless against the enemy. In verses 11 to 12, Paul then reveals our struggle with the real enemy, the devil, and his evil forces. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against human, although the spiritual powers of the evil may use human instruments. The Bible refers to the devil as one who is the ruler or prince of this world, with his powers limited to this world. In verses 12, also talks about the battle that's happening in the spiritual realm. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that the God of this age, referring to the devil, that displays that blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that display the glory of Christ. Verse 13 goes on to talk about the battle with the evil forces that's also happening in the earthly realm. The devil's schemes to tempt, to accuse and to destroy God's people. But God has supplied all that we need in this spiritual battle, in verses 11 and 13, Apostle Paul used the imagery of a warrior who puts on this whole armour of God to defend oneself from the attack of the evil one. He wants us to bring our attention to the reality of spiritual warfare and urge us to put on this Full armour, not just one piece, but full armour of God. The armour that God himself wears or that he supplies. This is what Jesus and Paul have put on when they engage in battle. And now it is our turn. We are called to to draw upon the power, the might, the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same three words were used in chapter 1, verses 19-19. To 20, that God's power manifests in the resurrection and exaltation of Christ and now made available to all believers. Through Christ, God has already provided all that we need for this spiritual warfare. God is using the same power, might and strength to shield us from the evil one, which we stand strong and we rely on God's power. Paul emphasises three times the importance of taking our stand instead of attacking the enemy, acknowledging that this battle is fought in the spiritual realm against the evil forces. So our duty as believers is to put on this armour of God and stand our ground to be ready when the day of evil comes. With the armour of God, how can we defeat the devil and his schemes? Allow me to explain in Victorian form as we counter the devil's schemes with the armor of God. Firstly, next slide. Is it? Oh, okay. Firstly, we fear God and we love His people by speaking the truth, represented by the belt in verse fourteen, and doing what is right before God, represented by the breastplate in verse 14, and by keeping to God's commandments of loving God and loving our neighbours. We have this clear conscience of the false accusations of the devil. But having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ represented by the, the shield in verse 16, may we be able to stand strong and shield the attack by the devil. The conflict may be fierce, long-drawn, described here by the flaming arrows of the evil one. By standing firm in our faith and obedience to God, we will eventually overcome these attacks. Secondly, being ready to testify about Christ's work in our lives, represented by the feet in the readiness in verse 15. Romans 5 verse 1 tells us, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have Christ, we are reconciled with God and we carry that gospel of peace to all. In Ephesians 2 14, where Paul addresses this, this unity between the Jews and Gentiles who disagree with one another regarding the circumcision process, uh, Practices, for in Christ we are no longer foreigners, strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and the members of the same household. The gospel of peace will then destroy this disunity and hatred, for in Christ we have the peace of God, we have peace with God and peace with men. Lastly. By the work of the Holy Spirit, we are given this understanding of God's power from the Bible. For the Spirit guides us and gives us that wisdom to apply God's word, represented by the sword in verses 17. So as we work out our faith in Christ, for Christ has already won this battle over the evil forces through his resurrection. And as God exalted exalted him and seated him at his right hand, Our salvation is secured in Christ, represented by the helmet that we wear in verse 17. Maybe this helmet is meant to cover our ears so that we hear no evil. Therefore, the mighty Word of God may be used to fend off the lies and the half-truths of the devil, reminding ourselves by the daily reading of the Word of God even in our conversations with one another. We use the Word of God to warn each other to be watchful of the devil's temptations. Having suggested the use of different parts of the armour against the devil's schemes, we do not put on some parts like what I said, but the full armour of God as we fight against the evil forces. Like Roman soldiers, as you can see in the picture, if we were to lock arms as believers, stand our grounds, united in Christ, you know, we can actually form that battle formation. It quite a, you know, it's almost like a war. So it's amazing that we can actually stand strong in God's might through the protection of God's armour. In James 4.7, it says that once we resist the devil, he will flee from us when we submit ourselves to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, stresses the importance of taking captive every thought, immediately arresting all the ungodly, unwholesome thoughts to make it obedient to Christ. Our maturity in Christ do not actually depend on how long we have been serving in ministry, how long have we been coming to church, But how fast we take captive, we arrest that thought, our sinful thoughts, is how fast we repent and tell God, say, sorry, I've sinned. Praying to God to help me and be obedient and submit to God. Finally, ah, now you rejoice. We rely on God's mind through prayer. In verses 18, tells us that Apostle Paul urges us to pray in the Spirit. Prayer is not another piece of armour, but it's the way believers devote themselves to the armour, to God's armour and stand firm. For the Holy Spirit is the one who inspires us and, uh, and provides an access to God through our Lord Jesus. Romans 8 tells us, that the Spirit will intercede for us according to the will of God when we do not have the words when we pray. So, when should we pray? Next slide. Yeah. All occasions, how should we pray? So, to allow me to summarise, here are some of the questions that we usually ask, right? Paul answers them all in this passage. Paul urges us to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, for all God's people in verse 18, and for the leaders who are proclaiming the mystery of the Gospel, who is now made known and proclaimed publicly. So what is that manner of prayer? Is it just once after, before every meal, three times a day? Paul says to keep on praying, the idea of persevering in prayer, sticking to it, standing by it, Hanging in there, praying continuously while being alert to what's happening around us. It is like a constant conversation with God. Where the Holy Spirit uses our prayer to shape and mold our thoughts according to God's will. Prayer is how we fight against the devil. Prayer unlocks God's arsenal of weapons and is the way in which we stand firm in the victory that Christ has won for us in his death and resurrection. We might think that Paul is considered fearless, right? I mean, who who here is as extreme as Paul? And willing to even die for his faith in Christ? But Paul, in verses 19 to 20, he expresses how much he covets the prayers of the believers. He asks for three things. Whenever he speaks, appropriate words to be given to him. That's one. Two, God to allow him to be bold, courageous and straightforward with the gospel. Three, fearlessly to carry on in the midst of suffering. Paul stresses the the reality of evil and the necessity of prayer. Often when I preach in the boys' brigade, children's church, or even the main services, unpleasant things happen to my family. One time when I was just about to preach um, in Chuen's church on Saturday, my wife called me. She told me my youngest son needs 14 stitches. He was running around in the MRT and... uh, he fell down, hit his head on the metal studs that is on the floor. I, I guess you, you've seen those metal studs before, right? And um, his whole face was, was covered with blood because the, the cut was just here. And uh, my wife told me at that moment, there was this lady who appeared out of nowhere. She offered to chant a spell that can stop the bleeding. So in that split second, my wife looked up at her. She said, no. And as the crowd gathered, people passing her tissue. I mean, you know, we, we Singaporeans are very loving. We, we, we passed her tissues and she looked up. She was wiping the blood and she looked up. The lady was gone. Can you imagine taking such calls just moments before you stand and preach to the children? I was shaken in some sense. But I, I realised the need to pray and commit all this to the Lord. I do not say these things out of superstition, if you think that I'm superstitious here. For for we do not actually see, for sometimes we do not actually see the need to keep our fellow brothers and sisters who are in the front line in prayer. Without prayer, this one I must confess, I steal from Pastor Chris. (laughs) Without prayer, we are like these dull fishes. In Jesus' tank, we enjoy this clean, comfortable life, protected and safe by Christ. As long as I'm safe, I'm okay. I realise that evangelism brings us into this battlefield with the evil one. We are not a big threat to the evil one when we no longer evangelise in our lives. So during the English Presbytery, uh, co-workers retreat just happened like a, that was a week ago. As a senior, as a synod moderator, Pastor Chris encouraged all pastors that if everyone reaches one for Jesus, as you can see, the, that's, that's his slide, one for Jesus in the next 10 years, and pray for that one to come into the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the number that we have here in this hall will double, am I right? And in verses 20, we, can be, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, being like Paul, even in chains, that we may fearlessly testify about the goodness of life under the Lordship of Christ. So if we be, really believe in what we have heard today, by putting on the armour of God and taking our stand, against the devil's schemes. We ought not to un- overestimate ourselves and underestimate the evil one. Or be like my youth who wore t-shirt and shorts in the fierce battle of paintball. We also need to know the spiritual state of our own armour. You know, In my DJ, we were talking about my armour. I, I think some parts of my armour maybe is like as thin as tissue. So if there are parts that needs to be strengthened, we need to take action. So when we when I taught this study in my discipleship group, many also realised that need to memorise Bible verses. A time will come when we are older, failing eyesight, hearing difficulties. Our memory of God's word is what we cling on to as our only source of assurance and strength from Him. PSLE exams, O-levels are all happening in the month of October. Do we actually pray before or after the exam? The answer is before. (laughs) And the parents especially, who prays unceasingly. So when the child scores well, we will say, Ah, you know, this child has my smart genes. But the same goes for couple waiting for their BTO flat, right? They usually pray unceasingly before they get a slot. And even th- it's